0: Well, good morning. Good morning.
1: Well, guys, I appreciate you being here, and um, we are going to we're going to roll along with uh, with our class exploring our strange Bible. If you've uh, if you've been enjoying this and uh, want to review some of the stuff that we've been looking at, or if you missed a week and, and think, man, you know, i I'd, I'd like to catch up on that, be sure to check out our website. Okay, it's, this stuff is here on our website. You can find that pretty easily. If you just go to our website and then find sermons. Yes, I know this is not a sermon, but that's just for the sake of convenience. You know, any really, like, class or sermon or thing like that, we'll find that stuff up there. So, let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we will will jump right into what we're going to do today. Will you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your many blessings. We're thankful, Lord, for our time to gather together today. Lord, we ask that you will be with us. We ask that you will give us a, a spirit... Of wisdom and discernment as our uh, church moves forward Pray special uh, prayers of blessing on uh, mark and carolina's family justin and logan's family lord we ask that you'll be with them and uh, work through them in their in their upcoming uh, new ministries father we pray that you will uh, continue to guide us that you will pour out your spirit on us and lord that we will that we will be faithful that we will be faithful to the, uh, to the mission that you have given us here in Corpus Christi. God, as we uh, go through our discussion this morning, we ask that you will um, help us to see what you would have us see, help us to hear what you would have us hear. And God, we ask a special prayer for uh, blessings of safety and, uh, and peace and for no complications with uh, uh, Jamie and Hunter and their new little one, uh, Lord, we pray. We pray that you will uh, cover them in your presence. That you will be there with them. That there be no issues, complications, no concerns with their uh, with their new little one, Sage. Will you bless uh, mother and baby, father and the whole family, and uh, it, give us wisdom to know how and when we can um, we can help with them, uh, with these new parents. God, we're grateful for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, let me thank you all so much for joining us uh, here on, um, uh, this morning as we are working kind of through this uh, t- topic that I have entitled Exploring Our Strange Bible. If you, if you are a new Christian or you've been going to church for 50-some-odd you know, years or more, I think it's fair to admit that occasionally there's some strange things in the Bible, and so we've been working through a lot of those kinds of things ...that uh, just kind of help us know what's in the Bible, and really help us know how we got the Bible. So, if you would, open up to 2 Timothy. didn't know that we were going to be in 2 Timothy uh, so much this morning, but we are in 2 Timothy. And don't be bashful. If you need to look in the table of contents, or you don't really know where 2 Timothy is, that's okay. I know preachers who don't know where 2 Timothy is either... (laughs) That's a joke, guys. And so, anyway, we will learn the song. right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe Mark should teach us that song as we go through this series. Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen and seventeen. Second Timothy chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen. This is one of the other famous three sixteens. Okay, it's not John three sixteen, but Second Timothy three sixteen is another famous verse that a lot of people will um, <clears throat> will know. Uh, it would help, though, if I were in Second Timothy. I had pulled up Second Peter for some reason. <laughs> All right, here we go. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work, I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Your version may read a little differently, but I think we get the gist. So let me read that again for us. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Okay. When you hear this word, inspired... See that word in your text? You're, you might say something a little different. If it says something a little different, hang on to that. We'll get to that in a second. In when you hear this word "inspired," what comes to mind? What do you think? What does that mean? What does that mean to you?
0: A little light going on over your
1: head. A little light bulb. Bing. Yep. Saturday morning cartoon style. That's right. Yeah. God breathe, God breathe. Randall. I told you. Said something else. Hang on to that. (laughs) God breathed. We'll get to that in just a second, okay? When you hear the word inspired and you think about how Scripture is inspired, what comes to mind? What does that mean? What do you think? It's from God. The source of Scripture is from God. That's right. Motivated. Motivated by God. That's another good way to think about it, right? God spoke the words, okay? quick show of hands. How many of you have heard the phrase divine dictation before? Divine dictation. Okay, some of us. Some of us who grew up in church, yeah? Divine dictation. Or divinely given, maybe? Motivated by God? Guided by God. I like that. Appropriate, too. Didn't we sing Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah today? Was that today? I can't remember. I'm never very far away from that song, anyway. So, guided by God. All right, take again, take another look at this word inspired here in 2 Timothy 3.16. Randall had mentioned this phrase earlier. Randall, what did you say just a second ago? God breathed. Did you know that in Greek, this word for inspired, if you break it down into its parts, means something like God breathed. So one way to look at what Paul is saying here is that all Scripture, every Scripture, is breathed by God. It's God-breathed. Okay, let me ask. Does this change your understanding of the word inspired? Does that give you any kind of new insight? God's given. Mm, mm. This is why you're my favorite Bible student, <laughs> Linnea said. There isn't uh, there some kind of historic connection with the idea of God's breath? What? Yeah, like a linguistic connection with God's breath and God's spirit, and that is true. There's a lot of uh, in both Hebrew and in Greek, two main languages the New Testament the Bible is written in. There is a connection between this idea of breath and this idea of spirit. And I think we can flesh that out a little bit more. If you will turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 22. Gospel of John, chapter 20. And again, don't be afraid if you need to hunt through the table of contents. Gospel of John is the fourth book in the New Testament. Jesus is, this is right near the end of the Gospel of John. There's some other stuff that happens in chapter 21, uh, kind of an epilogue, but uh, this is right near the end of the Gospel of John. And Jesus is there with the disciples, most of them. Thomas uh, was was out. But take a look here. Uh, Jesus shows up. And let's actually start in verse... uh, Verse 19, give us a little bit of context of what's going on. So John chapter 20, verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. And so you know, they're showing us here that Jesus is suddenly operating in ways that he did not operate prior to his uh, crucifixion. Jesus just shows up in this locked house. Okay? He didn't sneak in. He just shows up in this locked house. Verse 20. All right, Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said then to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. All right, so this is kind of a, a, a shortened version of the sending out of the disciples into the world to begin doing the kinds of things that we see them doing In the next book of the New Testament the book of Acts but take a look at verse 22 this is the verse that I wanted us to see here when Jesus said as the Father has sent me so I send you when he had said this he breathed on them he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit And then he goes on to give them some additional instructions there in in verse 23. Okay. Take a look at verse 22. How did the disciples receive the Spirit here in this verse? Just read it. Through his breath. He breathed on them. That's right. Jesus breathes, breathes on them. There is a connection with Jesus breathing the Holy Spirit into the disciples and Scripture being described as God-breathed. We're beginning to see this connection here. The Spirit is being breathed out. God breathes out the words of Scripture. Let's turn now to 2 Peter. All right, so we were in 2 Timothy earlier. Now we're in 2 Peter. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Second Peter chapter one, verse twenty, and we'll put together kind of the final uh, final points in this uh, in- introduction that I'm giving us here. Peter is talking to these uh, these Christians uh, in the audience here. Peter's letter here probably would have gone to a number of different churches. So as as he would have sent it out to one church, they would have read it in their worship service together. And they would have been told, Okay, you guys, y'all need to make a copy of this because this is very good for instruction. When y'all make a copy of this letter to have for your church, send this letter over to your buddies in the next town over. They'll do the same thing. And so that's that's how early letter collections of Christians started to started to develop. Take a look, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, Peter is describing to them the process of prophecy. There's some false prophets going around. So Peter is challenging some of these false prophets. He says, first of all, you, know, you, must, you, know, you must understand this that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Because no prophecy ever came by human will, meaning there are no true prophecy. But men and women moved by the Holy Spirit. Spoke from from God. Men and women moved by the Holy Spirit. Spoke from God. I'll read from the the English Standard Version here. Uh, The word used uh, for men here in your translation is, is just a general word for people. But men spoke from God as they were carried along. The image here is almost physically being carried, carried along by the Spirit. I wanted us to take a look at these three verses here to show us the real connection that we have with Scripture and God breathing and the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy says that all Scripture is God-breathed. We see Jesus breathing the Spirit onto the disciples. We see in 2 Peter this connection, the Holy Spirit speaking through Scripture. Now, it's a little kind of kind of a scatterbrained way to do it, but I wanted us to see this connection. And I want to read for you this quote from one of my favorite guys that I read in grad school years ago. He says, in short, Scripture is authoritative because it is the vehicle through which the Spirit chooses to speak. It is God's Holy Spirit speaking to us through Scripture. And that is why we can legitimately say the Bible is inspired. It is inspired in this way like God has breathed through it. It gives life. It has breath and vitality because it is God's life-giving Spirit that speaks through the words of Scripture. So what does this look like at a practical level? I asked for a quick show of hands earlier. Let's do that again. How many of you have heard of this phrase when we're talking about inspiration? How many of you have heard of this phrase divine dictation? Okay? All right. What does that mean? Divine dictation. Word for word, word, for word. who who spoke what to whom? Let's put it that way, Randall. God would be speaking directly to the prophets. Right. God would speak directly to prophets, for example. Say this verbatim. Don't misquote me. (laughs) That kind of thing. Don't take me out of context, okay? Ridge?
0: In its simplest uh, breakdown, writing is just talk that someone else is saying that you're not present for. That's fair. Reading is listening to them talk even though they're not there. Yeah. I mean, that's how we explain it at this very basic level. So when I read the words, I'm
1: hearing the Spirit talk. Now, right. God has spoken through these people. Now you have it. Now you have these words written down. Yeah. Um, and this happens quite a bit. Let's take a look at some verses. Um, Mike, can you give us Exodus chapter 19, verse 3? Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. Uh, Whitney, would you be willing to give us Ezekiel chapter 2? verses 3 through 4. So Mike has Exodus 19, 3. Whitney, you have Ezekiel 2, 3 and 4. And then Henry, would you be able to give us Revelation chapter 14, verse 13? Okay, so we've got three verses here from some different things in the Bible, right? Now we've got some stuff from Torah, from this first, that collection of first five books of the Bible. We've got some stuff from the prophets. And then we have some stuff from the very last book of the Bible. This wild literary type called Apocalypse and how crazy it is. All right, so we've got some pretty different things. And we want to see that divine dictation actually happens. It actually happens. Mike, can you give us Exodus 19 verse 3 please?
0: Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said... This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel.
1: Okay. And then he goes on basically the rest of the book of Exodus. No, <laughs> Not exactly, but he, he goes on. Say, okay, Moses, come up here. All right. Here's what I want to tell you. You need to go tell the people this. All right. Divine dictation. Something similar happens in the book of Ezekiel to the prophet, Old Testament prophet of Ezekiel. Whitney, can you give us those two verses, please? He said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who
0: have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I
1: send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord. Okay, those last words, right? Thus says says the Lord. Anybody else hearing the song from Prince of Egypt? I know you are. (laughs) Remember that animated movie that came out 20 plus years ago where surprisingly Val Kilmer played the voiced God? (laughs) Okay, maybe maybe that's just a thing for kids born in the (laughs) mid-80s. Anyway, Henry, can you give us Revelation chapter 14 verse 13? will you read again the very first two words that the voice from heaven said to John? Like this. Write this. <laughs> okay. If it can't be any clearer, write. Write this. Write this. Yep. right? write John, this. All right, John, grab your papyrus, grab your quill. All right, now question. Does divine dictation, God says, <laughs> Moses, tell the people. John write this okay does divine dictation account for everything we see in scripture no. show of hands if you think yes either we're all on the same page or this is a bad example of groupthink <laughs> all right show of hands if you think no divine dictation does not account for everything we see in scripture if you didn't raise your hand, that's fine. I'll consider you undecided, and I appreciate your willingness to say, I'd like to see the evidence. All right, so here we go. Scripture does not claim this about itself. Scripture does not claim that literally every single word God beamed into the mind of the prophet and said,
0: A voice from heaven, write this.
1: Okay. Doesn't do that. Scripture does not claim that about itself. And if we were to press that, if we were to try to argue, no, 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 the Bible's written because God just downloaded those words right into the brains of every person who wrote a book that we now have in our canon, this would raise some, some pretty interesting issues. For example,
0: uh, Job is the one I cite. Yeah. Job is- and they're arguing with God yeah. and, and finally yeah. God says Where were you?
1: Exactly yeah. What a wild thing If you take the book of Job If you're not familiar with the book of Job That's okay It's an Old Testament book Think about the book of Job As kind of a one act play That Meaning look at it like it's structured Like a one act play Where you have people come in Where you have the characters come in And they discuss And this is a If you've ever sat and listened to something like a long-form podcast, okay, from this position here as a teacher in the Lord's Church, I cannot comfortably recommend to you to listen to something like Joe Rogan's podcast, because it's a little blue sometimes. But if you do happen to know long-form podcasts like that, consider the Book of Job as something like that. These guys are hashing this out for hours. And they are just tracking these ideas and going back and forth and they are really discussing this stuff. Well, it would be wild if God were to zap into the mind the author of the book of Job all of these things only later for him to show up and say, all right, where were you when? Or what about the differences in the Gospels? Here's an easy one. Did you know that during Jesus's temptation there in the wilderness, in the Gospel of Matthew, there in chapter 4, the order, three things, Jesus is tempted with three things. In the Gospel of Matthew, he's got three temptations there. In the Gospel of Luke, those temptations occur, but in slightly different order. Does the Holy Spirit have short-term memory loss? Chances are, probably not. Joe might, but the Holy Spirit doesn't, amen? <laughs> That's in long term, that's fair, yeah. Also, the, the, and again, this might surprise you. The book of Revelation in Greek actually has some weird, poor grammar in it. And you might think, oh, well, that's refreshing. I don't have to be a great communicator <laughs> to be powerful for God, amen? Okay, but it would be weird then If the Holy Spirit zapped this into John's mind only for John to not know how to properly you know uh, use nouns and adverbs and conjugate verbs correctly and things like that that would be really strange so I think divine dictation thus saith the Lord divine dictation occurs most with the prophets most with the prophets Accounting for the messages that they spoke to their audiences in their times. But I think that this is the minority of what makes Scripture. I think that's the minority of what makes Scripture. Okay, if that's the case then, so what then does inspiration look like at a practical level? What can we mean when we say we believe the Bible is inspired when Paul says all Scripture is God-breathed, I think, I think maybe the best way for us to understand inspiration is something like this. I think the best way is what I and an author that I've been reading, I think he makes good good remarks here. It's called conceptual guidance. Conceptual guidance. Now, let me flesh this out a little bit for us, because you you might not have heard that phrase before, and that's okay. God, through the Holy Spirit, remember, Scripture is God-breathed, right? Holy Spirit is speaking through the words of Scripture. God, through the Holy Spirit, prompts authors with either ideas or motivations. And we can see some examples of this. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We can uh, can see some things here that uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to his friends in the town of Corinth, there in Greece. In this discussion here, Paul is talking about marriage. And uh, you can see there in chapter 7, verse 1, Paul says... Concerning the, things, concerning the things about which you wrote. All right? So they had written a letter to Paul. And now he's beginning to go through and address the issues that they raised. Paul, what about this? What about this? What's going on here? So Paul is starting to check the boxes off here. He's talking about marriage. And he uh, goes through. And uh, take a look down at verse 10. Chapter 7, verse 10. Paul is writing... And Paul very clearly distinguishes between his own opinion and what he very firmly believes the Holy Spirit is prompting him to write. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. To the married, I give this charge. And then, as a little clarification, look what he says right after that. Not I but the Lord. Paul is very clearly indicating here this is not just my opinion. This is actually the Lord's command. And he is prompting me to write this to you. Keep that in mind and then take a look at verse 12. Just two verses right below that. We see something slightly different. The other side of the coin. To the rest, I say, and then look what he says. I, not the Lord. Did you notice the difference there? In the first one, verse 10, Paul very clearly says, Okay, I, I need to tell you all this. Actually, it's not just me. It is the Lord who needs to tell you this. Two verses later, Paul distinguishes between what the Lord is saying and Paul's own opinion. Now, to the rest of you, I would say, no, not really I, you know, or, sorry. I am not really the Lord. And he goes on to give a little bit more of his advice. These are commands and also opinions. But let's, same chapter, uh, turn or scroll down to verse 25. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 25. Again, Paul is writing as being prompted by the Holy Spirit. In verse 25 he says, Now concerning the betrothed, engaged, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Paul does not have a specific command given to him by the Lord, spoken to him by the Holy Spirit for this particular issue that he's about to bring up, but he does play the I'm generally a pretty trustworthy card. Okay? Yes. The very last thing I want to look at in this chapter, go down to verse 40. Verse 40. So he's talking about, again, still talking about marriage and all the difficulties of, you know, kind of working through you know, marriage between believers and unbelievers and divorce and things like that. And he says here in verse 40, talking about you know, a woman who is not married, but is legitimately able to be remarried. He says, yet in my judgment, she's happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Same thing. Paul is prompted here by the Holy Spirit. I, actually the Lord, command this. Now I say, not the Lord, but in my professional opinion, I say this. Oh, and by the way, the Lord didn't actually tell me about this next topic, but I think you should do this. Because I think that my opinion is generally trustworthy. And then he wraps up the whole section by saying, I think that I have the Spirit of God, too. So, yeah, Paul's like, I don't, I don't have this straight from the Lord, but... It's still inspired
0: by God because all Scripture is inspired by God. I, does that
1: that he didn't tell somebody about Gene, that's a good question. I think what Paul is showing us here is that we can't always look for word for word, God said X, Y, and Z. But I think when we talk about scripture being inspired, I think what we see is something more complex than just Thus saith the Lord. think what we see is that these people, the Holy Spirit was working through to write these things, was giving them these ideas or these motivations. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Now I see our time and that clock is fast by the way. Luke chapter chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. This section here is called Luke's prologue. It's the very beginning Kind of Luke sets out what he's wanting to do. So remember, when we're talking about Scripture as uh, inspiration, as conceptual guidance, as opposed to just, thus saith the Lord. Something more complex, sophisticated, and, and subtle, and more nuanced than just, thus saith the Lord. We see God prompting office with ideas. Paul had these ideas about marriage that he shared in 1 Corinthians seven. We see the same kind of thing with motivations. In Luke chapter one, verses one through four, I'll read this for us. This, um, if this sounds very sophisticated, Luke is trying to sound very sophisticated here. This is very, very high-quality, well-polished Greek in the New Testament. He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. This is the guy for whom Luke is writing this. That you may have certainty concerning the things about which. You have been taught. The motivation for Luke writing his gospel account is right here in verse 4. So that you, Theophilus, might have certainty concerning the things about which you were taught. If we see Scripture, give it a second, if we see Scripture as the Holy Spirit speaking and inspiration is more than just, thus saith the Lord. Then we see the Holy Spirit prompting people like Paul and Luke with motivations. Luke is motivated to ensure that his friend Theophilus can be certain about the things that he's been taught. And I think inspiration covers that as well. Mike, yeah. Build the
0: orderly account vast majority of scriptures history or at least Old Testament yeah. is, a, is a history and it's a narrative we teach it in Sunday school uh, the stories from the Bible both New Testament and old, old Testament partly to give kids an idea of the sense of God's will mm-hmm. uh, in the stories sometimes we kind of shorten it or simplify it right. in order to make it for a five year old to get it sure. and maybe for a 70 year old to get it but the, it's a narrative of what happen with God's people, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily as a word by word, but it's yeah. the inspiration, it's, a, it's not inspiration as a, a, a Robert Frost inspired to write a, write a poem, Sure, but it's an inspiration where God was allowing them to perform with their own talents mm-hmm. within his will.
1: Very much so. Yeah, what Mike has said here, especially right there at the end, I think it really nails it, that Luke with his talents for for writing and research and crafting a narrative. God God took that ability that Luke had and prompted him, motivated him, urged him through the Holy Spirit to write this account for his friend Theophilus so Theophilus could be certain of these kinds of things. Inspiration is how God, through the Holy Spirit, stimulates human minds at the level... That the brain formulates ideas into words and sentences so that authors, through their experiences, learning, emotions, and words, write a message consistent with the divine intention. It's a quote from a New Testament scholar about inspiration. Stimulates a human mind. Through their experiences, learning, emotions, and words, they write this message through which the Holy Spirit speaks that is consistent with divine intention.
0: What's the point of the, you know, Ephesians, the armor of God, Mm -hmm. the the sword sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's implying that it's something, sword is a tool to be used and that's, that's uh, the whole point of Scripture is to write on our hearts, what uh, not just in our head, but in our hearts, what God's will is for us. Yeah. Well, it's God speaking somehow directly to us. There's one book, though, that's an exception. It's the other way around, and that's Psalms. Oh, yeah. That is man talking to God. Speaking and to how God. How do we know this? Because that's the only way we're really going to know that a mercenary, an adulterer, and a an murderer <laughs> yeah. is a man after God's own heart. And because we see his heart. Yeah. In, it's how he's addressing God. Yeah. So that's one of those areas where I get a little, you know, that to me seems like, if that's inspired, that's really narcissistic.
1: <laughs> I can, uh, the New Testament does speak to that a little bit as well because it mentions how the Holy Spirit spoke through David when he prophesied about the Messiah. And so I think the Psalms are a great example of this prompting, this motivation, this stirring within the people who wrote the books that we now have in our Bible. I think that we can see here, I'm going to wrap up with this quote and then let us go. By direct command... A sense of urgency or, a, or simply a personal desire or compulsion. God's spirit moved through spiritual persons within the faith community to write or compile from dictation, experience, tradition, or wisdom those documents which reflect what God desired to have recorded in order that His purposes might be served. So when someone says the uh, the Bible is inspired, I think the takeaway for us is this. The Holy Spirit prompted these authors. Sometimes it was as clear as, Thus saith the Lord. Other times it was more subtle. And I think one of the reasons why sometimes God's promptings are subtle is because there is transformation in the struggle. And our church has got an opportunity to to be transformed coming up. There is transformation in the struggle. And God can use that for his purposes. Guys, thank you all very much. Appreciate it.